everybody wants to know how to find the best writing niche, so that's what we're talking about today. You're listening to Copy Chatter, the podcast where we talk about all things writing business. We're having a conversation here about freelance writing and freelance writers, and you are invited. Let's chat about business, marketing, dealing with clients, mindset issues, copy tips, and rolling with the changes. We'll also delve into what's going on with this particular writer as I grow and build my own business. Ready to talk shop? It's time for some copy chatter. So if you've been following me for any length of time, basically, you've probably heard me talk about how you don't have to have a writing niche when you want to get started, despite what everyone else out there tells you. Having a niche is not necessary. However, I know that a lot of writers like the idea of having a niche and that for a lot of writers it can be helpful, especially when you're just starting out because when you have a niche, then you can cut down on um, overwhelm, essentially. When you have a niche, literally any writing job that is available is available to you. Sorry, when you don't have a niche, any writing job out there is something that you arguably maybe should consider. When you do have a niche, that allows you to put blinders on and immediately weed out a lot of options, which can help fight back the overwhelm. And I am all about fighting back the overwhelm. However, it can also be overwhelming to choose a niche, especially if you've bought into this idea that if you choose the wrong niche, you're going to (laughs) fail. It puts a lot of pressure on you when you don't really know the lay of the land. So if you ask me, this is my, um, in my opinion, the best way to find your best writing niche, no matter where you are in your career. So I'd like to recommend that you start off as a generalist. Um, If that is something you're willing to consider, then um, again, I have a lot of content that can help you. Um, So what you do is you start off as a generalist um, and then you keep your eyes open, your ear to the ground, you take anything and everything that looks interesting to you. And that is going to compensate you fairly. (laughs) I think that's uh, important that you compensated fairly. Um, So you're working and you're working and you um, are, are doing what you can for your clients. And you're trying this and you're trying that and you're working for this type of business and that type of industry. Um, And and off you go. I want you to be raising your rates (laughs) as you go along, of course. Um, But generally speaking, you're going to take anything that looks interesting and that pays, pays you well enough. Once you've been doing this for some length of time, and for some people, it's maybe three months. And for some people, it's, you know, maybe a year, maybe more than a year. But there will come a time when um, it is time for you to start saying no to things. Either they're just not paying you enough um, or you've decided you don't like them. So when you get to that point where it's time to start saying no to things, um, there are two things that I recommend that you do. The first is to raise your rates. Um, And then the second is to start thinking about what you want to do more of and what you don't want to do again. When your docket is full... That's when you can really start to get choosy. And that point of getting choosy is where your niche begins to develop. So the more clear you can get on what you like, what you don't like, or what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy, or what you want to do more of and what you want to do less of, um, the more then you will be able to focus on those types of work and on improving your strengths in those areas, the areas that you want to go further in, I should say. 
Um, it is entirely possible that the thing that you enjoy the most is getting paid to write. <laughs> and if that's the case, then look over the work that you've done and look at the assignments that um, gave you the highest um, hourly rate, like the highest effective hourly rate, the things that ended up giving you a, or maybe it was the things that ended up giving you a higher per word rate. So think about the things that when you put in an hour, you're going to get the most money out of. And that can be your niche, especially if you find a trend. Yes. So what we're doing is we're looking for trends. We're looking for trends in things that we don't like so that we can start avoiding those and trends and things that we do like so we can start doing more of those. So things that you do or don't like could be a type of business. Like, um, for example, I don't like writing for software companies, which is not true of me, but that's an example. You may find that you don't like writing for mommy blogs, or you don't like writing for, um, I don't know, industrial companies, or you don't like writing for higher education people, or you don't like writing for startups because it's, it's like completely nuts. <laughs> you may find that um, it's more about a type of writing that you do. You may really enjoy blog posts. You may get really tired of blog posts. You may have gone into it thinking, I want to do case studies, and you do a bunch of case studies, and you find that you really hate doing all these interviews, so you don't want to do case studies anymore. Um, you may also find that you really enjoy writing about a specific subject matter. So maybe you have done some mental health writing and you find that you really like writing about mental health, no matter what it is you're writing or the type of business that you're writing for, you like the subject. So these are kind of the, the three different um, spheres of evaluation for you to do. The types of clients, the types of writing, and the types of, uh, I guess, the types of subject matter. And once you can identify what you do and you don't like in each of those three areas, you can start saying no to things that don't fit. So if I if I decide I really like writing for startups, I really like writing blog posts, and um, I'm really bad about writing for graphic design, <laughs> then, then I know that I want to focus on client acquisition strategies that will bring me more work with startups. So maybe that has to do with optimizing a LinkedIn profile and coming up with a pitching strategy. And then as I am dealing with these clients, I present to them uh, services that revolve around blog posts. Maybe it's ongoing blog content or um, I'm pitching um, to build a blog for them. Maybe they don't have a blog and so I want to develop it. Maybe it's moving into blog management. I don't know. Um, but I also know that I need to avoid startups that have anything to do with web designers because that's an area that I don't like. So we know um, yes to startups, yes to blog posts, no to web design. And that's a niche. It's not like a super, super duper in-depth, highly specialized, there's only one person out there who can do this niche, but I write blog posts for startups is a legitimate niche. And now you have some direction and now you can really target your marketing strategies and you can begin to um, do things like test your pitches and um, build an idea bank and um, really tailor your portfolio 
and fold keywords into your website maybe or into your blog post. You can think about some kind of lead magnet that startups who need blog posts um, would be attracted to. And there's your niche. And maybe as you get more of these startup clients, you realize that you really like writing for the software clients and you really don't like writing for the e-commerce clients. So once you sell some kind of physical goods, you know, maybe they send a box like a subscription box or something or they sell, I don't know, supplements or whatever. Um, and so then your niche becomes even more defined because you have very clearly defined that you like writing for software. You like writing blog posts for software startups. I write blog content for software startups. That is a really well-defined niche. People can start referring you um, because you are the blog post for software startups person. And as new software startups come online, you can begin to target them. And by now you've built up a portfolio and you can go to them and say, hey, you know, I wrote for this and this and this and this, and now I'd like to write for you. Um, and it makes you more compelling. And you can also begin to charge higher, uh, higher rates. Um, you may also realize that there's a cap. <laughs> so this is when your niche can begin to adjust. So maybe you have, um, you've been writing these blog posts for um, software startups. Maybe you've been doing that for like a year and you have a pretty good portfolio and you have been steadily raising your rates and you realize that you're not going to be able to charge more than about $350 a post. Now, I'm th I'm just spitballing. This is not a real number. It may be a real number. I'm, I don't know. It may reflect reality. Who knows? Um, but you realize that you you can't get, you, you get a lot of no's when you try to go over $350 a post. So then what do you do? You decide, am I okay with $350 a post? Is this enough for me? Um, or do I want to go in a new direction? And then you have options for new directions. You can begin to take on more of these clients and outsource to other writers who are less expensive. You could probably find a decent writer who could write this post for you for $100. And then you get it and you submit it to the client and you skim the $250 off the top. Um, that's one way that you can scale your time if you find that you need to make more money. Um, Another direction you can go is beginning to leverage the client relationships that you already have. So in other words, going to your editor or going to your to your marketing manager or whoever you report to um, and saying, hey, I, I'm branching out into these other services. I'd like to do one for you as well. Do you need any, whatever it is, fill in the blank. Do you need any case studies? Do you, could I write y'all an e, I had this idea for an ebook that you could use as a lead magnet and I'd love to write it. You know, who should I talk to? Um, Think about other things that you want to write and, and try and see if any of your current or past clients uh, would like you to write those things, those more lucrative things um, for them. Uh, so then you're moving maybe out of blog posts and into another content format. Um, another way you can change niches is to provide the same content that you've been providing and really establish a portfolio. Um, and start offering it to different industries. So maybe you've been writing for these startups for a while and you like it, but you want to do a little bit more and you hear that personal finance pays more. So what you do is in you, you take your blogging portfolio to personal finance arenas and see if they can pay you more if you want to stick with the blog post, for example. Um, so we've just sort of taken a long winding 
journey down a hypothetical freelance writer's career over the course of maybe a year and a half, maybe two years. Um, but I, I, I'm coming up with this illustration to demonstrate to you that your niche is something that develops over time. It's not something set in stone. You can absolutely change it. You are not shooting yourself in the foot if you change your niche or if you change your industry or your service or your whatever. Now, the more stability you have and the more quickly you find stability, maybe the better off you'll be. But that's not to say that you're doomed, even if you don't have a niche yet, or even if it's taking you a while to figure out what you really actually maybe like to do. So if that is you and you're worried about the status of your niche and you want to start working and you don't have a clear picture of the destination, I want you to know that that's okay and that it's better to get started and to figure out as you go. Um, So I encourage you to get started and figure out as you go. If you have any questions about how this might look for you, please come to the Facebook group and post them. We have a lot of experienced writers in there and a lot of beginner writers and a lot of folks in between. Um, So there's a lot of chatter back and forth and a lot of questions that I think are really helpful and a lot of answers that are really helpful too. And I'm in there. I try to answer a lot as much as I can as well. So, um, I have a new link for you. In the past, I've said you can go to Facebook and search for the Inkwell Guild doc, um, the Inkwell Guild on Facebook and join us there, which is still an option. Um, but I have um, my my wonderful assistant Heather has set up a a new <laughs> way to access the Facebook group. We can go to theinkwellguild.com and that takes you straight to the group. So go to theinkwellguild.com if you want to join the Facebook group. Request to join, we'll let you in, and it will all be golden. Come answer, ask your questions, find encouragement. Um, every now and then we have little um, funny meme parties and stuff. So anyway, I invite you to join us um, and find the oomph that you need to get over the hump and the, the hump, <laughs> the hump, and and really get your career off the ground and stop worrying so much about doing it wrong. Okay, so I'll see you inside. A funny thing happened the other day. I realized that many of my podcast listeners don't know about Clips Camp. So now I'm going to tell you about it. Clips Camp is a three-week course for new and advanced new (laughs) freelance writers who want to get started with high-paid client work. If you are on Upwork and miserable, if you're on Fiverr and miserable, or if you haven't even done anything to get started and you don't know what the first step is, Clips Camp is for you. I'm teaching you how to put together a solid portfolio of writing samples that position you as the kind of awesome writer that awesome clients want to hire. So if you want in on that or you just want more information, go to clipscamp.com and I will see you on the inside.